And my name is Mary Jo Major, and I'm a member here at Christ Central Church. And I have the privilege of reading um, our scripture this morning. The first scripture is John 5, 37 through 39. And the Father who sent me has himself borne, him, borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. And then 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 4, 4. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. Good morning, Mr. Bobo. You always say it so loudly. I appreciate it so much. Um, before I get started this morning, I um, try to introduce pastors that are visiting. We have Mark Upton here from the pastor at Hope. Um, church and get to know him well. If you get angry with me, you'll probably end up going over there. So you're like, it happens all the time. So pretty big congregation over there, Mark. Um, but Mark is on vacation. Um, and how long are you out for? Uh, another, month. another month and you've been gone for how long? Two months. So he's been on a, on a pastoral sabbatical. Where'd y'all go? Y'all went to Europe and everything? Wow. You don't look like you want to go back. You want to join this church? <laughs> Everybody's mad at you, so you're over here now. All right. Um, and Hope is our sister church, and um, they are in uh, Dilworth area, and you have another site in South Charlotte. So appreciate having you today. Um, his wife, Holly, is here, too. Um, she's important. Um, so, hi, Holly. How you doing? Good to see you. Um, as we continue in our uh, summer uh, sermon series, Explicit Lyrics of the Faith, let me first tell you that I've not become Catholic. I'm just wearing the official uniform of pastors, um, and I get tired of looking for what to wear. So, I'm going to start wearing some of this more often. So, just same Howard Brown, not Catholic, not Episcopal just wearing the uniform. Okay, moving on. Just want to explain my fashion to you. Um, so as we continue in our summer sermon series um, in the explicit lyrics of the faith, I want to once again, um, I want to thank all the young ministers and pa you know, pastors who've been joining me in preaching this summer. Thanks, Charles. Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Paul. 
who preached last week. It has given me some much-needed rest and relief, and um, I had to work on some other visioning and church plant planting stuff for the coming year. And um, having been preaching since I was about 17 years old, let me go ahead and say, y'all ain't no scrubs. Y'all, you are all gifted in your own ways and in ways that I am not. And I just want to honor y'all and thank you for for preaching um, through this series with me. And I don't know whether you noticed um, or just didn't recognize whether, as you followed us through the sermon series, uh, maybe you've recognized, but we are able to have different ministers preach the gospel to jump in in relief, primarily because there is but one script. One textbook, right? One authorized operating system, the Bible, which is... One word of one God between us all and hopefully all the gospel preachers in the world, right? I have yet to hear at Christ Central Church anyone in this particular pulpit decide to go off script. That even if what was preached was not as clear or went too long and you went to sleep, right? Or, 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 or as what wasn't as well explained or even as thoroughly and completely taught as some other times. One thing for sure, it was an attempt, a human attempt, right? To tell you what the Bible is saying. Why? Because we, we not only as preachers of the gospel, but Christians believe that this script, sure, right? The scripture, the Bible is God's word. Which means we explicitly believe it is not only true, it is God's grace to us. It is true and it is gracious. In theological books, the Bible is referred to as being the inerrant word of God. And inerrancy, that long word that we don't use every day, it doesn't mean no syntactical or textual errors as in someone, you know, leaving or having left out a letter here or word here or sense of a word or comma here or there. But the Bible, even with these, let me make sure you understand, very few errors is considered inerrant and true because the Bible is not wrong. It is correct and true in what it claims to be God's word. And these so-called errors do not change what it is. God's message to us, and it tells us that, that its words and God's words brought together here in the Bible are true. The Bible is true, that is, in all it teaches. What do I mean by that? It means that the Bible is not designed to be the book about everything, but one that applies and speaks to everything and everyone. For example, you will probably die and kill others if you try to use this Bible as a guidebook for properly mixing volatile chemicals. Do not, let me tell you right now, do not listen to me if I tell you that because I went to seminary and I'm an ordained pastor and I studied the Bible, even in its original languages of Hebrew and Greek, that you can pay me upfront cash, contract free to build your house or fix your car or give you dentistry services or do your financial planning. 
I would get rich. You would be poor, homeless, broke down. Your mouth would be jacked up, right? Because the Bible tells me, right? But tells me not to lie about what I know and to love people enough not to let any my greed for money harm and hurt them, even though the Bible will never give me the skills to be a true chemist or mechanic. It will give me all I need to, for the good of everyone not to act like one. And if I am a true mechanic or chemist, the Bible will call me to be gracious for the good of people and glory of God, an honest mechanic or chemist. The word of God, the Bible is not about everything, but applies to everything and everyone. The Bible is true and about what it teaches and says it is designed to do and be. So what does it claim to be? What does it claim to teach and do without error or mistake? Let's look back at the John passage again. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here, and he said, The Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one who sent me. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. We can see that the Bible, Old and New Testament, claims to be God's voice. And then the true guide to belief in God and Jesus and the way people can know God and know about God. It is the true way to eternal life, Jesus says, which the Timothy passage calls salvation. Let's look at the Timothy passage again with me, beginning at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, it says, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The book of Timothy says what? God's word, the Bible, is in large part the how-to directive for living as believers in this world. And then the Bible is used by God through his earthly servants and preachers and teachers and friends and family that disciple us to change us, right? To shape us into who he wants us to be in a good way to actually brainwash us. Washing our minds and hearts with his word as we read and are taught by it. But let me let you know that most, but not all things, the Bible inerrantly, truthfully teaches are easy to understand. They're not all easy and, and easy to get the first time around and all plain. I mean, it has been translated from Hebrew and Greek and some Aramaic and then some of it from Hebrew to Latin and then to English. And it covers like 10,000 years of all kinds of cultural changes. I could only imagine, right, 5,000 years from now, folks trying to decipher what LOL and IMG and all of that means. We've got the original text. What does it say? LOL. 
Well, when I studied at Harvard, LOL means, I mean, I can't even get it right now. I have to go to my boys. What does this mean, boys? But you get the point. The scripture, it does require us to study it. Sometimes we have to learn some stuff. It's some background history. And sometimes somebody among us has to open up a commentary. And we have to come to Bible study. We just, some things just don't automatically come. It's not just in plain sight for all of us. That's why he encourages Timothy. Timothy, please study it. Please get it right so you can give it to the people. The writer of Timothy, the Apostle Paul, whom God was speaking through, says, you have to study the Word. You have to listen to it and let it teach you. You have to be a student and follower of the Word. But it is not also not all about being smart enough or educated enough, Right? Because according to Jesus in our John passage, who was he was talking to the theologians and seminarians and PhDs of his day, the Bible is often difficult. He's telling these really smart guys who knew every single word that is of the Old Testament, guess what? You knew every single word. You studied it thoroughly, and you still missed it as the Word of God. Why? Because the Bible is often difficult. Why? Because we as humans are difficult. It's not the word most times that's the hard thing. It's us. Why we, regardless of how educated and studied we are, have a hard time wanting to see and hear and accept what God is saying through it. You know what's interesting? Oftentimes when I hear people criticize the Bible as not, you know, it's not true, it's not God's inerrant word, or see it as a pretty good advice book, but, but not take it for what itself says that it's true about, often this is the case. They've made up their minds and come to the Bible with expectation and preconceived notion what it should and must be for it to be true in their lives and world. Our ignorance and expectations that we put on it bring to it. Or because we can't bend it, right? Or trust it to see it the way we want or think it should. Or because it fails to address this or that issue that we're so concerned about fully enough. It does not make it any less true or any less the word that it claims to be. Well, some of us have called and treat the Bible as less true, as necessarily as a necessary irritant, because we are disappointed. Not because the Bible has failed to be what it says it is. I mean, come on, think about, just think about the true and right things that are completely themselves and not something else, and we go ahead and accept it for what it is, right? Rejecting the Bible for not being all we want it to be or think it should be and say is like saying a steak should not be eaten because it is not fried chicken. It is what it is. It is fried chicken and not a steak. The word of God is what it is. And what it claims it is, God's word by God for the things God has given it to do and reveal. And my advice is, like the Beatles sang, let it be. 
Let it be God's inerrant truth for knowing and having right relationship with God and this world and each other. Let it be what the Bible is, the true word of God. But Jesus shows us something else by what he said about the truth of the word. He says to these Old Testament scholars and people who are very familiar with it, that the Old Testament testified that the Old Testament gave witness that the Old Testament explained and told the story thousands of years before his coming about him, about what he was here to do. Thousands of years before he came to earth. He says that the Bible was just as true, maybe not as clear as seeing him in the flesh right then at that moment, but just as true about what he was currently teaching and doing at that moment as God come in the flesh. And then the Apostle Paul says something very similar to his young ministry mentee Timothy when he says this in verse 14. He says, but as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from what you've learned it and how from childhood, right? You've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, don't miss it. When he says sacred writings... Paul is talking about the Old Testament mainly, and then some of the letters that are circulating around the church that will soon become the epistles of the New Testament, right? And so Paul is saying to Timothy, all of these are God's word, regardless of when they were written and who they were written to and what time and place they were written. Let me say it like this. It is the true word of God And the word of God is and was and will be true always at all times, right? Regardless of what human instrument the great artist God was playing at the time, right? Who who were used to write the scripture out or what movement or track of history he was playing on or in or playing out or whether this time he played it slowly or quickly or with more staccato or, or whether it was that Old Testament style, right? That straight out of Egypt style, I call it. Right? The forget the Pharaoh promised land. We're going to take our neighborhood by force. Kill them all. Jews with an attitude. Gangster style. Old Testament. Or whether it was our New Testament. Roman Greco. We all went to Princeton PhD. Right? Educated and world class Jew. Apostle Paul. Classical. Let me pontificate and put definitions to the struggle. New Testament style. The Bible's point here is this, that the truth of God's word was, is, and always is, and is always true regardless of what era it was, what's trending, who's, who's leading, what issues are hot, or, or what modern day science or history might have dug, dug up or even redacted, what it teaches and what God has sought to reveal with the Bible always has is and will be true. I want you to look at our Timothy passage in verses 1 through 4 in chapter 4. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, 
who is the judge who is the judge of the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. In other words, Paul saying, take this seriously. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And then considering what Jesus said in John, I want us to think about it. We as a society and broken human beings, we've moved. The Bible says we've mainly digressed in the things the Bible would have us know. But we as a human race in our history and get this, our hearts have not only moved, but are often distant from the truth. So so here's the point. God has not lost touch. He's the true and always God. We have lost touch if the truth of the Bible no longer fits or is trusted by us. And then we make or follow teachers or leaders or spiritual church cult leaders that are real cool who tell us what we want to hear is God's truth. These teachers twist and tear and manufacture word of God, true for the world and what the world is willing to accept is true, but it is not fully or not at all God's always true word. Now, let me be fair to something here. Some of these itching ears by us are real felt needs and hurts that we're suffering in. So I don't want to make it seem like, hey, hey, I've been struggling with money all my life. I've been struggling with sickness all my life. So here comes a pastor who says, it is God's will that you get all the money and all the wealth and everything you want if you just follow these steps. It's very attractive. Because we're hurting. Paul warns Timothy about this. But this is not new. Just obviously then it's not new. Just like God's word has always been true. People teaching and preaching and pontificating and theologizing, whatever. False truth has always been the case. But the word of God and its truth and what God wants us to see and know has and is and will always be true regardless of what these other teachers have done with it. Paul even warns Timothy that what? The seasons will change, meaning that there will be times when Jesus is cool and the Bible is all right and when it is not, when people will accept it and when it is less likely for people to accept it. So let's get something straight here. The Bible is true. God's word is true. Human beings are not and never always are true all the time. We change our taste and stories and fads and trends and morals and tolerances all the time. And as human beings, we're even crazy enough as finite beings to look at God infinite and in his divine words and judge it according to what we feel and know is good and bad about it, trying to rewrite it and scavenge it to upfit and upload to our broken operating systems. And it doesn't work for God or for us. So we have to ask, 
Where are you? Because here is the word of God. Speaking truly to and about you and him. Where are you? Because God's word has always been here. And he's always spoken inerrantly and truthfully through it. Let's just jump right in. We've been struggling. A lot of issues swirling and changing and bringing challenge in our society and church right now over sexuality and gender, so-called gender bending and shifting and redefinition rights and same-sex marriage and civil law and justice. I will tell you this. These identity issues, these sexual issues are not new to Scripture. We are living out the same human struggles in our time. And regardless of how so-called progressively it comes out or not, or is enacted, the word of God is always and still true. Now let me be careful about what I'm saying here. Because this same Bible in the not-so-distant past was used to explain away the humanity and equality while justifying the abuse and mistreatment, among others, of African Americans, Native Americans, women, and children. And was wrongly taught and lived by the so-called evangelical church. Our own denomination. And yes, the Bible sometimes then is way more progressive than our society. And maybe calling us out of some past wrong, deeply embedded lies about ourselves, our future, our sense of humanity, our world, our liberties, our freedoms, and all of that stuff. So the Bible's truth is always trending in that way, but not forward or back or in this camp or for these people or to the left or to the right. It is always trending, get this, upward towards holiness. It is not trying to become more liberal or conservative or make us more liberal or conservative, but more holy. How does Paul, Paul put it? For righteousness, for correction, for repute, for education of a lot of miseducation. The Bible is and has never been opposed to human progress or civil rights, or equality. That's you and me who are opposed to those things. The Bible and the God of the Bible who created and sustains humanity is true to and for our humanity and civil rights and equality. The Word of God has not changed its truth or its ability to be truth for us. Just many and most of us have changed and expect the Bible to be and say what it does not. And it won't do that for you and me. Or we have come upon an issue. I do all the time, it seems, that we don't quite know how and if God has spoken to it as clearly as I want him to. Either way, we must take our discussions 
our passions, our fears, our hopes and beliefs to God's words. Sometimes we, just as Paul basically suggests to Timothy, we have to take the messy mix of our lives and throw it at the word of God and see how it sticks and much of it will find hope and answers. But I will not lie to you. Every issue and problem will not have a neat and clear answer. It does not mean The word of God is not true or not trustworthy. Like Jesus was encouraging the Pharisees who came to question Jesus in his words. Sometimes the word is designed not for us to know and answer all we want, but for us to better know and want God. And most importantly, for us to know how much God wants and lovingly knows and cares for you and me. See, the Bible is is more than a rule book, hopefully, and a guide. It it steps, you know, it's better than being a book about how to be better, right? Just plain divine knowledge and truth, more than a corrective. It's God's grace to you. Y'all know, some of y'all might. Y'all know how I got the beautiful woman over there to marry me? The power and grace of my words. (laughs) Always had a good rap, y'all. But when I found the one, it had to be real and true. When I heard about her from her cousin, Kelly was a thousand miles away. And I remember I asked, can I call her? And she said, no. (laughs) No. She said, he can write me if he can. (laughs) That's, That's the way she is, if he can. She told me she had just gotten, you know, too many calls from too many crazy guys. She didn't know me, even though I was the best. Okay, moving on. <laughs> now, this is before Facebook, where she, could, she couldn't check me out first, and there was no text or cell phone stuff going on and no email quite yet. AOL didn't start getting mailed to your mailbox with the big floppy disk. Y'all don't know about that. <laughs> so I went out and bought stationery. Stationary, y'all. <laughs> That's pretty paper cut in small sheets. And I wrote a nice nine-page letter. She called it beautiful. And grammar-wise, remember I was an English major. <laughs> I purposely make grammatical mistakes up here. Grammatically, inerrant. checked over that thing a million times. I wrote it on the paper with lines, y'all, first. Then I went to the stationery. Stationery expensive. <laughs> I gave her a clear picture. I remember of who I was and what I was called to do in ministry and all that stuff, my family. 
And after a few more of those, boom. Her heart opened, relationships started, marriage, kids, bills, mortgage. And surprise, right? I love stationery. I love it. After almost 20 years, right? Here is one of those sacred letters. <sighs> ain't the original one. It ain't the Genesis. <laughs> but one of those letters dated. I was reading through this thing. I was like, mm, mm, mm. I, I got Dear Kelly. I really don't know how much to write about. It's late, but I wanted to write. First line. I got to stop right there because, you know. Here's one of those what I describe as sacred, intimate letters. Here it is. Here it is. After 20 years, here it is. You know what Jesus and God through Paul were saying about the Word of God? Especially when Jesus says the Bible is about him, the one who was sent to die so you can have relationship with him. He was saying, here it is, God's word, God's revealed written love and grace to make and grow a relationship between you and him. A relationship that was not thousands of miles apart like me and Kelly, but worlds apart. Separated by sin in the world, he wrote a letter, right? He wrote a huge volume, the story of him and you as people, not just one, not just in one style, but a 66 book, God's love and grace compilation to get to you and me for his glory. The good news of God's love for sinners and his people, people like you and me through an ever-changing world is right here, right here. It's true. God's true love for you. And it's not changing. It's not going anywhere. It's stationary in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And as long as he is the living word, this word lives as the truth and grace of God for you and me. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's not always easy. It's not always clear. But it is true. And we thank you that something's true in this world. Lord, I pray for our hearts because God, we come at it from every direction and all kinds of issues and all kinds of problems. We thank you that you loved us enough to speak to us. I pray for your people. Pray for us, God. Please help us, Lord. We live in a media frenzy world. So much comes at us 
It is hard and impossible to compartmentalize and figure it out and fix it and wonder what our Christianity says to this or what, God, you are saying to us. There are so many words out there, so many images, more and more confusion. Lord, thank you for Christ that you sent him to personally guide us through your word of truth. Lord, please help us to appreciate your word, this Bible, this scripture. And Lord, I pray for us, the leadership here at Christ Central in particular, this, this letter Paul wrote to Timothy, that's the word of God, Lord. Uh, help us, Father, to with patience and love and the compassion of Christ speak the truth of this word. Help us not to be afraid as we often are into abandoning it or being afraid that it says it too hard or too strict. Please help us, Lord. We need your voice and we need your truth. In Jesus' name. Amen.